Father, we worship you this morning for being the holy God that you are. There's no one else who loves us the way that you do. There's no one else who is willing to pay the price for my sin. There was no one else who was willing to send his only son to a cross so that I could be forgiven, so that I could be made right, so that my soul could be redeemed and ransomed. Thank you. And Father, in this room this morning, we represent humanity with all of our difficulties, with all of our shortcomings, with all of the stuff that we have carried around for so long, with the brokenness, the hurt, the pain, the difficulty of life. And thank you for being a God who understands every bit of that and is willing to save us from it. Is willing to reach down in the middle of our stuff and rescue us. Thanks. So now, Father, in the next few moments, as we open your word, you promise that your word is alive. That your word will speak to the very core of our being, to our hearts, to our souls. And we ask that you would do that. I pray, Father, that that would happen by your spirit and that I would not be the one who has an agenda or a thought or something that needs to be said, but it would be you that speaks to our hearts today. We pray that your will would be accomplished in us and we will give you the praise and you the glory for what you do in your name. Amen. Thanks. You can have a seat. We're so glad that you are here with us today. And I want to start, I was supposed to start this last week, and and, uh, as I was studying last week, I just felt like I couldn't, so I didn't. Um, So this week, I'm going to start chatting with you about the family. And and, uh, if you're here this morning and you're saying, well, I don't have a family, I'm single, or uh, I'm not with my family, or whatever, and so I get to check out, you're wrong, you don't get to check out, um, that's, that's not what this is going to be about, and you'll see that in a few minutes. But we're going we're gonna to chat a little bit about family, and originally I was going to chat with you about uh, the legacy of a family, and, and we're going to kind of talk about that, but I'm not going to get where I thought I was, um, because as I was thinking through this process of the legacy of our family, I, a couple of thoughts went through my mind which is really good for me, by the way, to have a couple of thoughts all together. Um, but a couple went through my mind, and, and, and what happened to me is this. I, I began to think about the process of a legacy. What does that take? How do you leave a legacy? What, what goes into leaving a legacy? And the more I thought about that, I realized that the process of leaving a legacy has a lot to do with the internal work that I do first who I am first, who I become first. Now, we will leave a legacy, and it will be one of a couple of things. (laughs) You don't really have a choice. People are going to remember you for something. But in our families, we want to talk about leaving a legacy that matters and that lasts and that has a lasting effect. Pope John Paul said this, as the family goes, so goes the nation. And then he added to that later, and he said this, and then so goes the world. 
And he's very correct. As the family goes, the nation is quick to follow along. And we're struggling with that in North America today. In North America, the, the family is in trouble. It's broken. It's rejected. It's blended. Single parent. Same gender parents. Addictions. Abuse. Children left to fend for themselves. Those who have decided to follow their own dreams and forget about the family that's been entrusted to them. Those who have checked out and decided to be independent and do their own thing their own way. We live in a society in a day and age in North America where we are incredibly narcissistic. My mentor growing up used to say this to me all the time. It was navel-gazing. We would spend time looking at our own navel, so entrenched in me, so much that my eyes are on me that I don't see anything around me, and that has also happened in the family. And because of it, the family pays a price. And every time the family pays a price, the community that we live in also pays a price. The family is made up of people. I know that seems obvious, but sometimes we forget. The family is made up of people, and those people are us. It's made up of us. And we represent a wide range of people types. And if we were to go through this room and spend much time talking about the people in this room, we would find this, that there's the planner in this room. There's the control freak in this room. There's the perfectionist. There is the nonconformist, the rebel, the free thinker, the procrastinator, the worker bee, the leader, the organizer, the team player, the all-around family clown. We are all here. We are all in this room. And families are made up of all types of people with different personality types. But there is one person in every family that is almost impossible to lead. There is one person that causes all the trouble in the family. They're the problem person. And I want to talk to you about how to lead that person this morning. And I know some of you internally are cheering. And you're going, finally! Finally, he's going to give us the answers of how to lead the person in my family. And some of you are saying, hey, now we're going to be able to identify the problem in our family. You ready for this? Here's the problem person. It's me. You're the problem. I'm the problem. The one person that's the most difficult to lead in every family is me. It's me. I'm the struggle. Oh, we like to think that it's someone else who doesn't have it all together like I do. I know, you wouldn't say that out loud, but sometimes you think it, right? It's when you're alone and it's quiet and you say, man, if they could just get it like I do. This wouldn't be a problem. And some of you are sitting there saying, well, hold it. You don't know my sister. You don't know my brother. You don't know the youngest child in our family. You don't know the oldest child in my family. You don't know my parents. 
You're still the problem. So am I. We're the hardest people that there is to lead. Each member of the family has the same problem themselves. You can't change any other member of your family, but you can change you. And changing yourself will make a huge difference with every other member of your family. So why is it so hard for me to change me? Why is that so difficult? I just finished the Leadership 101 class. And in that leadership class, we teach what it means to self-lead. What it means to know who I am enough, well enough, so that I can begin to be honest with myself and take myself to the places that I need to go. And we're not talking about doing this without God, but we're talking about becoming that aware of who we are. And one of the things in that class that we talk about at the very beginning is this, that every one of us in that class and every one of us sitting in this room at this moment has a story that is playing in your head. And that story you are telling yourself about who you are and about who everyone else around you is as well. And that story goes something like this. Well, I think they like me because, or I think they don't like me because, or I think they don't understand me because, or if they only knew this about me, they'd really hate me. Or if they really knew this about me, they'd love me. And that story goes on in our head all the time. And here's the problem with the story that's going on in your head right now, because it's happening. The problem with the story in our head is this. We don't have an editor. Right? What makes a story great? The writer writes a story, and it's okay when the writer writes it because in their mind, all the parts fit. But when they hand off the story to the editor, the editor says, hey, in your mind, that made sense, (laughs) but it doesn't on paper. Or, hey, did you check your facts? Because that doesn't sound quite right. Well, the same thing is true about your story. It's the same thing that's going on in your mind, in your head right now. You need an editor because you lie to yourself. I lie to myself. I tell myself a story that has part truths. And I build my life on some of those part truths. And the reason we struggle Leading ourselves, the the reason we struggle changing ourselves is because we haven't allowed the editor to have his proper place in our life with our story. So this morning, I want to talk about legacy, but I want to start at the beginning. I want to talk to you about why it's so difficult for you to change you, why it's so difficult for me to change me. And remember, when I'm talking about this, realize this, that this is a journey in my own life. This isn't something I'm asking you to do. This is something I've been doing for a long time in my own life, of looking at and why, asking the question, why do I struggle so often with so many different things? 
And Scripture has an answer for us in that. If you have your Bible with you this morning, I ask you to turn with me to a really complicated passage of Scripture, Romans chapter 7. Paul, who wrote this, he's wordy. And you're going to see what I mean in just a minute, but I want to read a few verses to you. And I want you to help, help you to understand a little bit or maybe confuse you a little bit more with what's really going on inside. You ready for that? Romans chapter 7, verse 14 is where I'm going to start. It says this, For we know that the law is spiritual, but I am of the flesh, sold as a slave to sin. Stop for a minute. The moment that Adam and Eve sinned in the garden, Scripture tells us this also in Romans, that for as by one man sin entered into the world, so death passed upon all men and all of sin. Every one of us struggle with a sin issue. We have a disease called sin in our life. And Paul in Romans writes it this way. He says, look, you were sold as a slave to sin. And when in your natural self, In your natural being, the temptations of sin that come into your life, and they look different for every one of us in this room, but the temptations are there, and as a slave to sin, you are going to yield to sin. You will say yes to sin. It is your nature. It is what you do. And so being sold as a slave to sin means this, that I've been bought by sin and that I will yield to sin in my life and I will struggle with sin because of who I am. Keep going. For I do not understand what I am doing because I do not practice what I want to do, but I do what I hate. Now, don't get confused, okay? He's worried, he remember. But what he's saying is simply this. He says, look, there is a part of me who doesn't want to go down this road, but yet I find that I keep going down this road. And the thing that I hate, I end up doing. You ever been there? Don't put your hand up. Oh, you can. It's fine. Because we've all been there. If we're honest, every one of us struggle with the same thing. We know it's coming. We know we struggle with it, and we hate it, and we despise it, and yet we find ourselves giving in. Paul says, hey, understand, it's the nature that is within you. It's the sin nature that's in you that does this. Now, if I do what I do not want to do, I agree with the law that it is good. So now I am no longer the one doing it, but it is sin living in me. Where does sin live? You tell me, where does it live? In me. It's not just an outside force. He's saying this, the very nature of my heart wants to do this. It's inside of me. For I know that nothing good lives in me, that is, in my flesh. For the desire to do what is good is with me, but there is no ability to do it. For I do Do not do the good that I want to do, but I practice the evil that I don't want to do. Now, if I do what I do not want, I am no longer the one that does it, but it is sin that lives in me. So I discovered this law. When I want to do what is good, evil is present within me. For in my inner self, I delight in God's law, but I see the different law in the parts of my body, waging war against the law of my mind and taking me prisoner to the law of sin in the parts of my body. Stop right there because I need you to see a couple of things about this. 
Paul says this. There's a part of me that wants to do what's right, but within me, I fight a battle that is constant, and I fight between what is right and the desire that I have to do right and what I know is wrong, and I, I give in to that, and I hate it, and I hate myself. Remember the story I was telling you at the very beginning that's going on in your head? Part of the story is of guilt, and you're saying, look, I know that this is right, but I know this is wrong, and I gave in to what is wrong, and I'm no good. And that's the story that you start playing in your head. And Paul's describing this. He says, look, it's a battle. You look at words a little later on. He says this, you're waging war. There's a battle that's going on. I got a battle going on. You hear that? Whew, that's loud. Battle that goes on in each one of us. Wow, that's getting It's real. It's something that happens in each one of us all the time. It's a battle we face constantly. So for us, and what Paul is saying is this, look, I'm the biggest problem that I have. It's me. I'm the issue that I have. I'm the biggest struggle that I have. I am the weakest link. I'm the one that causes my own issues. You ever feel like that? And so often what happens to me is when I realize that in my own being, when I realize that within myself, I want to give up. I want to say, there's nothing I can do. I'm waging a war. There's a battle that's going on inside of me, and I can't figure this out for myself. I'm done. I give up. It won't work. And I immediately realize this. This is not a God problem. This isn't that God messed up somehow. This isn't that God fell short somehow. This isn't that that God hasn't figured out the human heart well enough to know how to deal with me. This is my problem. And so the first step in leaving a legacy for your family, for you, is to get to the place where you realize that the problem is my problem. 
And it's coming to the place where you'll own it, where you'll speak it, where you'll say it, where you'll be honest with yourself and you'll look at yourself if it has to be in the mirror and you go, look, it's me. I'm the issue. In that passage, he says this, in my inner self, I delight in the law of the Lord. What a contrast. From one side, I can't stop myself from sinning. I'm struggling with sin in my life. I hate this. I do it. And on the other side, I delight in the law of the Lord. You ever been there? Where on one side, you're giving in, you're yielding to something that you know is wrong. And on the other side, you're saying, but the law of the Lord looks so good. It's so right. I know it is. It brings relief. It brings freedom. It brings healing to my heart. It gives me, when I'm dry, it gives me something to drink. It brings meaning. But yet I do what I hate. What a contrast. And often when we look at that contrast, we end up at this place where we say, it's too hard. It's too hard. And some of you who are sitting in this room have come to that place. Some of you are at that place right now where you know that living for God is really difficult and saying no to that self-life is really hard. And you've thrown your hands up and you said, I'm done. It's too hard. I'm out. I give up. I quit. The same struggle is going on in every one of us in this room. We are all broken in the exact same way. We are all fighting the exact same battle. We are struggling internally with ourselves and with our sin life. And the answer for every one of us is exactly the same. You don't have to be the problem. You don't have to resign yourself to the brokenness. You don't have to choose to give up. You don't have to choose to stop fighting. You don't need to be the weakest link. There is an answer to the struggle that you have. Look at the next part of this passage, Romans chapter 8. He says it this way. Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those in Christ Jesus. Because the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has set you free from the law of sin and death. What the law could not do, since it was weakened by the flesh. What does it say? What's the words? Who did? God did. God did. He condemned sin in the flesh by sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh as a sin offering. Folks, you don't have to give up. You don't have to give in. You don't have to be the weakest link. You don't have to lose it. 
There is now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. What he's saying is this. Look, God the Father looked down and he saw the problem that we were going to have internally with ourselves. He saw the issues of sin. He saw the separation that sin would bring in our families. He saw the way that that would work out. And he said, look, I love mankind so much because I created them in my image, in my likeness, for my good, for my pleasure that I want to restore them to a right relationship with me. And I can do that in my son, Jesus Christ, who is perfect. And so Jesus Christ came to this earth and he walked this earth and he lived life and was tempted in every way that you and I are tempted. He felt the pain. He understands the brokenness. He knows the events of life that, that push us sideways. He understands every bit of it. And he says, I've got you. And I loved you so much that I'm willing to be the sacrifice for your sin, for my sin, for Tim's sin. And he went to the cross and he paid that price that I could not pay. And he died. But it didn't end there. He didn't just die. He rose again the third day. And he lives today seated at the right hand of the Father in victory as an offering for sin that is alive. Christ. And you, accepting the gift of his payment for sin, makes it so you no longer need to be the weakest link. You giving up. You yielding. You saying, I get it, I can't do it, Christ did it for me on the cross. And I accept the gift, his payment for my sin. Makes it so you now have a shot. You now have a chance. You now have an opportunity to leave a legacy that matters. Now what's awesome about this, guys, is he also gives us a secret weapon. I'm not telling you that. I'll wait for next week. Yeah, he gives us a secret weapon in this. But I want you to understand this. You have the opportunity to say yes to Christ, to change what is going on in your heart, in your life, inside of you, in your soul. If you're sitting here and you don't have a relationship with Christ, he paid the price for your sin. That chaos, that confusion that is going on internally, he's already got that straightened out. You need to say yes to him. You need to let him deal with that. If you're here and you're a Christ follower, but you've been doing it your own way, you've been fighting the battle on your own, you've been doing things and and figuring it out for yourself, and it's not been going well, you need to yield. You need to yield. You need to come back to the place where God has control, and you've given it to him. So the question for us this morning, and I'm done, is this, and I want you to think about this week. That turmoil, that person that's a troubled person in your family, remember who it is? Who is it? Say it with me. It's me. Well, me has to submit to him. You willing to submit? You willing to say yes to him? Only you can do it. I can't do it for you. I can't do it for anyone in my family. I can only do it for me. 
will you? Father, would you grant us the courage and the strength to say yes to you, to submit our will to yours, to accept the payment of sin that was fulfilled in Jesus Christ, and then to allow you to work in us and create in us who you want us to be so that we could be the legacy that you've asked us to be or leave the legacy you've asked us to leave. In your name we pray. Amen. Would you stand with us as we worship together this morning? Amen. Have a good week, you guys.